Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. I'm really honored to have this invitation to come and talk today. Jamie and Kim just got back from a week-long celebration cruise. Uh, celebrating Jamie's uh, graduation uh, from uh, uh, his Doctor of Ministry program at Baylor University. Give it up for Jamie. We, uh, uh, it was about three years ago that we said, hey, go for it as an elder team. Uh, that was one of the requirements. We, we, we said, hey, we're going to be behind you and uh, we're going to be with you. And I'm sure there are times when Jamie wanted to give up or stop or quit but he kept going, and faithfulness is going to pay off in the end as uh, he unpacks the things that he has received from gifted teachers and leaders across the body of Christ, and already we're seeing amazing things in, in the preaching and ministry here, and so uh, thank God for the kind of connectedness we have through him to the larger body of Christ. So today is Pentecost Sunday, and uh, I'm really excited about this message Excited uh, for what God is going to do in this service. Uh, we had a wonderful time in the first service. And so uh, I want to start off with the main thing and the points of the sermon. Uh, so if you are following along and filling in blanks, let's get that out of the way right away, and then we'll come back to it. It's nothing more uh, unnerving than to miss one of those, and, and you, you, so let's just get it out of the way. Uh, so the main thing is uh, being a spiritual person means stepping into Jesus's relationship with the Father. It means being open to the Holy Spirit the way Jesus was open to the Holy Spirit. That can only happen because Jesus freely invites us and empowers us to step into his relationship to the Father by means of the Holy Spirit. So what we're talking about today is Pentecostal faith. Now, some of you may be a little bit of afraid of that, uh, that uh, title. Don't be afraid. Uh, say to your fear, we're going to go on a journey, okay? Uh, you don't want to you know, be without your fear because being without fear would be kind of silly. Uh, but we're going to go on a journey with Jesus because together we're going to discover our, creati- our creativity. And uh, the one thing that fear as you come along with this journey, you just have to sit there. Uh, you can't mess with the dials on the radio. Uh, you can't uh, say anything. Uh, you can't do anything to change our journey. And the one thing you are absolutely forbidden to do is to take the driver's seat. Okay? So, uh, you know, we can't, uh, we can't dispense with our fear. We can't give it up. Uh, we would like to be, uh, have days without it completely, but it's always there. And uh, so by the power of God, we overcome that and uh, we proceed on our journey together. Um, so what kind of faith can receive the Holy Spirit of God? The answer is simple. Jesus's kind of faith. Jesus was wide open to the Holy Spirit of God. C.S. Lewis wrote in a letter to a friend, God could, had he pleased, have been incarnate in a man of iron nerves, the stoic sort who lets no sigh escape him, of his great, uh, <clears throat> but of his great humility, 
He chose to be incarnate in a man of delicate sensibilities who wept at the grave of Lazarus and sweated blood in Gethsemane. Now, how did Jesus pull off his miracles? The answer is simple, and we could probably all say it together. By depending on the Holy Spirit, right? Depending on the Holy Spirit. And we're going to put Scripture where my mouth is right now a little bit later. How did Jesus overcome temptation and testing? Again, by depending on the Holy Spirit. How did, uh, when did God unleash His Holy Spirit? Many of you are thinking, well, on the day of Pentecost. Well, it's true that the church, the disciples of Christ, began to experience the Holy Spirit in a new way on Pentecost. But really, God unleashed the Holy Spirit when He sent Jesus. Because Jesus was the Pentecostal man. He was the walking Pentecost before Pentecost arrived for the church. He was the man of the Spirit. He was a man controlled by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, the man depending on the Holy Spirit as he went throughout his life. So when did the days of the Holy Spirit begin? Again, with Jesus, a new age has begun, the age of the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we ask You this morning to make us open to the Holy Spirit. Father, we ask You to calm our fears. We ask You to fill us with joy. We ask You to encourage us as we falter and fail. And we ask You, Father, by Your Spirit, to help us to step in to Jesus' openness to the Holy Spirit. Let's read Acts chapter 2, verses 1-47. through 47. I'm going to read from the easy-to-read version. So just listen. I don't, I don't know if it's going to be flashed up there or not. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a noise came from heaven. It sounded like a strong wind blowing. This, house, this noise filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw something that looked like flames or tongues of fire. The flames were separated and stood over each person. Where, and uh, the, uh, uh, each person. And uh, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak different languages. The Holy Spirit was giving them the power to do this. At that time, many Jews had returned to their homeland. They were very religious people who had come to Jerusalem from all over the world. And when they heard the noise, a large crowd came together. They were surprised that ev- at everything they heard was in their own language, and they were all amazed at this. They didn't understand how this could happen. They said, look, these people we hear speaking are all from Galilee, but we hear them in our own languages. How is this possible? We are from all these different places, Parthia, Media, Elam, Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya near the city of Cyrene, and Rome, and Crete, and Arabia. Some of us were born Jews, and some of us have chosen to worship God like Jews. We are from these different countries, but we can hear these men in our own languages. We can all understand what they are saying about the great things God has done. The people were all amazed and confused, and they asked each other, what is the meaning of this? But others were laughing at the apostles, saying, 
that they were drunk from too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the other eleven apostles, and he spoke loudly so that all of the people could hear. He said, My Jewish brothers and all of you who live in Jerusalem, listen carefully to me. I will tell you something that you need to know. These men are not drunk as you think. It is only nine o'clock in the morning. That was the first joke cracked in the sermon. But Joel, the prophet, wrote about what you see happening here today. This is what he said. God says, In the last days I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will have special dreams. In those days, I will pour out my Spirit on my servants, men and women, and they will prophesy. I will work wonders in the sky above and cause miraculous signs in the earth below. There will be blood, fire, and thick smoke. And the sun will become dark and the moon red as blood just before the great and glorious day that the Lord comes. And the Lord will save everyone who asks for help. My fellow Israelites, listen to what I am telling you. Jesus from Nazareth was a man sent by God. God approved this to you by the miracles, wonders, and signs He did through Jesus. These things happened right here among you so that you know that I, what I'm saying is true. Jesus was handed over to you and you killed him with the help of men who care nothing about our law. You nailed him to a cross, but God knew all this would happen. It was his plan, a plan he made long ago. Jesus suffered the pain that he, uh, of death, but God made him free. He raised him from death. There was no way for death to hold him. David said this about it. I never forget that the Lord is with me. He is right here beside me, so nothing can harm me. This is why I feel so happy and sing for joy. There is hope even for this weak body of mine, because you, Lord, will not leave me in the grave. You will not let the body of your faithful servant rot there. You have shown me the way that lead, leads to life. Being together with you fills me with joy. My brothers, I can tell you for sure about David, our ancestor. He died and was buried, and his tomb is still there with us to, uh, to this, still here with us today. And he was, but he was a prophet and he knew something that God had said. God had promised David that someone from his own family would sit on David's throne as king. David knew what was going to happen. This is why he said this about the future king. He was not left in the grave. His body did not rot there. David was talking about the Messiah rising from death. So Jesus is the one God raised from the dead. death. We are all witnesses of this. We saw him. Jesus was lifted up to heaven. Now he is at God's right, right side. The Father has given the Holy Spirit to him as he promised. So Jesus has now poured out that spirit. This is what you see and hear. David was not the one who was lifted up to heaven. David himself said, The Lord God said to my Lord, Sit at my right side until I put your enemies under your control. So all the people of Israel should know this for certain. God has made Jesus to be Lord and Messiah. He is the one you nailed to the cross. When the people heard this, they felt very sorry 
they asked Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, Change your hearts and lives and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Then God will forgive your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you. It is also for your children and for the people who are far away. It is for everyone the Lord our God calls to Himself. Peter warned them with many other words, and he begged them, Save yourselves from the evil of the people who live now. Then those who accepted what Peter said were baptized. On that day, about 3,000 people were added to the group of believers. The believers spent their time listening to the teaching of the apostles. They shared everything with each other. We're listening to the effects of Pentecost. Then uh, they shared everything with each other. They ate together and prayed together. They, uh, many wonders and miraculous signs were happening through the apostles, and everyone felt great respect for God. All the believers stayed together and shared everything. They sold their land and the things they owned. They divided the money and gave it to those who needed it. The believers shared a common purpose, and every day they spent much of their time together in the temple area. They also ate together in their homes. They were happy to share their food and ate with joyful hearts. The believers praised God and were respected by all the people. More and more people were being saved every day, and the Lord was adding them to their group. This is the word of the Lord. So this is Pentecost Sunday. The Christian festival celebrating this descent of the Holy Spirit on the disciples of Jesus after His ascension, held on the, on the seventh Sunday after Easter. Now, the remnant of Jesus' followers were keeping a low profile by sequestering themselves in Jerusalem, hiding out, waiting for the promise of the uh, God, of power from God. When the moment came on the day of Pentecost and flames of spirit fire came down from heaven and danced on their heads as they began to experience the strange transformation of their prayers into a rumble of languages they had never learned. On that amazing day, Peter preached the gospel, and 3,000 people accepted Jesus and were baptized. Now today, I want us to ask ourselves, what kind of faith is this Pentecostal faith that can receive such a surprising and world-changing gift from God? The answer is not to be found in the day of Pentecost itself, as if the calendar sets God's agenda the feast itself was not called Pentecost in the Old Testament. It was called the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot, seven weeks after uh, the day of Passover. Then came that festival. It was called Pentecost in the Greek version of the Bible, but not in the Law and the Prophets in the, the, in the Deuterocanonical books like Tobit. Uh, now, those don't... don't worry, yes, those are in the Catholic Bible, but they were part of the Greek Bible for, for all Christians for the first 1,500 years of the church. Uh, 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 so uh, you just have to deal with that. Uh, <laughs> the Feast of Weeks was the second of these three great Jewish feasts. Its, its name signified that it concluded the period of seven weeks which began the presentation with the presentation of the first harvested sheaf of barley 
at Easter time, when the flowers come out and that barley harvest is early, and then 50 days later, uh, 50 days later during that time is the is the uh, uh, the harvest of wheat. And so it was a uh, a festival uh, celebrating what God had done uh, every year during that harvest time. But about the time of Jesus in this intertestamental period. Uh, people began to think of this as a celebration of the giving of the law. Because on Mount Sinai, when uh, God came down, He proclaimed that law to the entire world through a blast of uh, trumpet sound and a loud voice and uh, fire and earthquakes and all of these things. Uh, maybe that symbolism is what we see on the day of Pentecost. But of course, it's really uh, what uh, Peter quotes. It's really this Psalm 16 that's a much more important uh, verse uh, for Peter. Uh, and, uh, and it celebrates and anticipates uh, and fulfills what Jesus had said uh, when John the Baptist said, and Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be poured out, that there would be a baptism of the Holy Spirit coming. And Luke clearly associates that baptism of the Spirit with Pentecost with the mission and the expansion of the church throughout the world. So what kind of faith can receive the Holy Spirit of God? The answer is simple. Jesus' kind of faith. No other kind of faith can receive the Spirit. Now, some of us are a little bit afraid of talking about Pentecostal faith, and I understand. Uh, let's uh, First of all, I want to welcome anyone from uh Pentecostal background. Would you raise your hands? Pentecostal background. Come on. Hey, give it up. Woo! Glad you're here. Because you're a blessing to the body of Christ. Now, most of us are not from Pentecostal background. And I was not. I'm from the Church of Christ. And uh, it was a miracle that uh, my mother let me go to a Pentecostal uh, uh, um, vacation Bible school down the road from where we live because we were from Church of Christ. And, you know, a little bit shut in on ourselves. And, uh, and so I went, and when they did a call to the altar, which we didn't do in the Church of Christ quite like that, you know, this pandemonium broke out. And, uh, you know, people going down, they were crying, they were weeping. It was, uh, it, it, to my little second grade heart, it was, uh, it was scary and a little weird. And so uh, that day I began to be shut to the Holy Spirit. And what we want to talk about today is being open to the Holy Spirit. And uh, so remember what I said about fear in that journey that we're on. Uh, man, time flies. <laughs> so the, the problem is that people are not naturally open to the invasive, transcending, and transforming presence of the Holy Spirit. And there are, of course, reasons why we're not open. Two that come to mind immediately are, we don't want transcending power, and number uh, one, and then number two, we don't want the transforming presence of God, because we'd rather stay the way we are. We're naturally inclined to be shut and not open. Our inclination is to be a little shut all the time, and pretty much not open all the time. Interacting with God is a simple idea, yet it is something many of us don't know how to navigate very well. Most of us can neither see nor hear God, and we have some, some reservations about people who say that they can. 
Even when Jesus came in the form of Emmanuel, God with us, those closest to him had difficulty seeing God in him. After Jesus' death, for example, Simon Peter went off back to fishing up in Galilee. The two disciples on the road to Emmaus failed to recognize Jesus after the resurrection in Luke 24. Jesus diagnosed our problem to them by saying that they had sluggish vision or slowness of heart as they were focused mainly on the pain in their lives. Think about that. Since we are all slow of heart, God has provided the Holy Spirit to empower us to experience Emmanuel, the God who walks with us. Still, most of us can point to few, if any, conscious interactions we've had with God, even through, though somehow uh, we know that God is always present. But lucky for us, God won't leave us alone because He loves us so much. Let's put away our shutness then this morning on Pentecost Sunday and hold today, uh, put it on hold, and crack open the door to our heart just a little to see what God will do, okay? Let's do it. So let's pray. Lord, I am open to the Holy Spirit. Come to me. Dwell in me. Speak to me so that I may become more like Christ. Lord, give me the courage to be open. Lord, I am open to the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus was wide open to the Spirit. The New Testament Gospels are unlike the other spurious Gospels that are out there that uh, didn't make it into our Bible. So we don't have stories like uh, those fake stories where uh, Jesus, uh, for his entertainment, uh, made some clay pigeons one day on the side of the Sea of Galilee and uh, then uh, touched, touched them and watched them fly away. Uh, or the time when... Uh, one of uh, the boys in his neighborhood uh, was uh, being a bully, and Jesus struck him dead. And then, uh, to the ama amazement of uh, people around him, then raised him up. <laughs> uh, that's not uh, the Jesus of the Gospels. Uh, but in the, uh, what we do know is that the human Jesus had to learn that the that uh, God uh, was his father, and that he had to learn what that meant in his life, and he had to learn to be obedient to him, and he had to learn to be obedient to his earthly father. He had to grow, and in fact, the Gospels let us in on how Jesus feels often. For example, he was exasperated at times. He wept. He wailed. He got angry with other people. He even cried out in despair, but he also expressed victory and triumph. As we said in that C.S. Lewis quote, that God gave us Jesus, a Jesus who is uh, sensitive and cried and had real emotions and was a human like us. Jesus was a real human being, which means he grew spiritually, that is, 
being open to the Spirit. Say this, spiritual means being open to the Holy Spirit. Spiritual means being open to the Holy Spirit. I know busloads of Christians who deny that this was true of Jesus. Some people say, well, Jesus just was the second person of the Godhead. He didn't have to try. He just did that stuff because he was using equipment that none of us have. But the Scripture teaches us Jesus is, diff- Jesus is just like us. And so most of us would like to prefer to not explicitly deny a plain reading of the gospel. So I'll say it again. Jesus was a human because, <laughs> and because he was a human, he needed to be empowered from one, day one and by the Holy Spirit. He needed the Holy Spirit just like we need the Holy Spirit. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life, then how much more do we need the Holy Spirit to live the Christian life? That's a very basic argument. We need Him more. So let's take off the table the most important objection you know, that we'll probably see this morning, and that is how did Jesus pull off His miracles? You know, some people will say he just pulled him off because he was the second person of the Godhead and you're not, so there. Bad argument, because that's not the way Jesus is presented in the Bible. Jesus healed people, he exercised demons, he unswirled a storm at the sea. He knew things in people's heart before they expressed him. How did he do these things? Well, I'll begin with uh, Peter, a disciple who knew Jesus, who knew because he was there and Peter gave a sermon that was heard by a Gentile named Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, who himself had experienced a life-altering vision. In his sermon, Peter said this about Jesus, You know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how He went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with Him. Peter was pointing out Two things. First, what Jesus did is accurately characterized as doing good and healing. How did Jesus do these things? It's clear. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and with power. That's what Acts chapter 10 verse 37 through 38 says. Jesus did these things because God was with him. Jesus' kingdom powers were at work in Him because He was wide open to the Holy Spirit. Peter and others who wrote the New Testament didn't leave any room for doubt. Jesus, as a human, did all that He did, living, eating, praying, conversing, healing, teaching, doing good, rebuking, defending by the power of the Holy Spirit. The, The rightly regarded Wheaton College professor Gerald Hawthorne said this, the Holy Spirit was the divine power by which Jesus overcame his human limitations, such as being limited in knowledge and bound by physical space and human strength, and rose above his human weakness and won out over his human mortality. 
unlocking the doors so that the Spirit can come in begins with Jesus, the perfectly wide-open human, the first Pentecostal man. So Jesus was the Spirit-filled man. What often has been overlooked needs to be made very clear. Every major facet of the life of Jesus is a Holy Spirit event. So much so that we need to see that the more Christ-like we become, the more spiritual gets uh, uh, we become. Again, the closer our spirituality gets to Jesus, the more dependent on the and on and empowered by the Holy Spirit we will be. The Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke open with the baptism of Jesus. As soon as Jesus was baptized, Matthew says, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. The same event is described by John. Then John the baptizer gave this testimony. I saw the Spirit of God, Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. And I myself did not know him, but the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is the one who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John chapter 1, verse 32 and 33. John saw the Spirit descend on Jesus. He knew the Spirit anointed Jesus, would have a perpetual filling of the Spirit and would go about plunging people into the Spirit. That's what Jesus does. A window was opened into the Spirit-prompted religious experience of Jesus that day, uh, and, and uh, which is captured in the word Abba that Jesus uses over and over again. As soon as Jesus was baptized, He went up out of the water... And at that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love with him. I am well pleased. Matthew three sixteen through 17. When the father announces that this Jesus is God's beloved son, Jesus knows that God is his special loving father. This event was a central event in the life of Jesus, in His spirituality. From this moment on, Jesus will be known as the Son, and He will teach His followers to call God Father. To call God Father ushers us into an intimate relationship with God, and it is one that Jesus Himself knew personally. How so? Jesus' reference to God as Father shows the trust of Jesus, the intimacy of Jesus with God, and the interactive relationship of Father and Son in the life of the man Jesus. This is a spiritual reality because it was when the Spirit came on Jesus that this reality was announced to the world. Now, spirituality is tested. It's going to be tested in all of us. Uh, when I was uh, preparing this sermon, I, there were several times that I just wanted to tell Jamie, you know, I know you're going on vacation and everything, you're going to be coming back, but I really, man, I just can't get my mind around this sermon. Yeah, I felt weak, uh, felt like I couldn't uh, 
couldn't put it together. Pentecost is a big Sunday. Um, I got depressed. I mean, just all of those things that, that came on me uh, were a test. And yet I heard God through that time just serve the body. Just serve the body. And so I didn't make that phone call, <laughs> which would have been a little bit disconcerting, I'm sure. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and I, and I, uh, and last night, even as uh, I went to bed early, we had a wonderful celebration praying for missionaries that are going out, uh, from CF, especially the Pennington's, but, uh, others as well. We prayed for, uh, lots, uh, lots of others, the, the Duplichains and the short-term workers that are going out. And, uh, we had a great time, but the long and the short of it is, uh, I got back to the house around nine o'clock and it was time for me to go to bed, uh, because I needed to go to sleep. So went to sleep at nine o'clock, uh, didn't practice the sermon, which meant I wasn't going to get much practice this morning. Uh, and at three o'clock in the morning, I wake up and, uh, you know, I'm an old man and you fill in the blanks about why I was waking up. I, so you know, when I went back to bed, I, I, I couldn't, um, I, I couldn't go to sleep. And so finally I was like, okay, Lord, you must be waking me up. What do you want me to do? And I heard this on my servants, I will pour out my spirit. And Lynette had planned to wash the dishes. Uh, they weren't washed. Uh, I got up and, uh, that was my Pentecostal moment. So I got up and I washed the dishes and cleaned off the counters in the, in the, uh, kitchen and went back to bed and I was able to sleep some more, but woke up a little bit late and didn't get to pr- practice my sermon. So, uh, so, so here we are. Spirituality is always going to be put to the test. It's going to be put to the test uh, when it's declared and, and when you reach out uh, to try to do something in honor of God, it's always going to be put to the test. And uh, Jesus message is the Spirit of God is upon me. The Spirit of God is upon me to bring release to captives, to set, you know, to preach the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord. And Jesus passed through temptation uh, by the power of the Holy Spirit. He also went to the cross and on the cross he suffered By the power of the Holy Spirit, He offered Himself up to the Father by the eternal Spirit. Hebrews 9, verse 14. You should underline that verse because it's very important. It teaches us that when Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God did not abandon Jesus. It's not a contradiction because Jesus was quoting Psalm 22. And like any good Jew who memorizes his scripture, when he quotes a scripture, he's thinking of the whole chapter, not just the one verse. Yes, Jesus felt abandoned and he, he uh, was reading that spirit-inspired uh, scripture and it was encouraging his heart. But that scripture, Psalm 22, ends in a declaration of resurrection victory over death, you see. And so... Jesus is telling us, yes, he was experiencing a tremendous test in his spirituality, but he was not abandoned by the Spirit. And I am here to tell you today, the good news is you will never be abandoned by the Spirit either. Because God's transcending power and his transforming presence 
will always go with you to transcend the deepest darkness and to transform you into the likeness of Christ. That's what the Holy Spirit is about. So we wouldn't want to have a, an abandonment at the, at the middle of our gospel <laughs> because our gospel is all about God with us, right? And that's who Jesus is. And God was with Jesus on the cross. He was not ashamed of Him. He continued to support Him with the Spirit. Even that Spirit-inspired Scripture that He quoted was the demonstration that God, by that Scripture and that Spirit, was encouraging Him in the deepest, darkest moments. And God will go with you in that deepest, darkest moment. Okay, so it's uh, about it's close to time to land this thing, but let's go on just a little bit more. Okay. Okay. Uh, So keep in mind that the crucifixion and the resurrection are events that were empowered also by the Holy Spirit. And just as I said, uh, uh, the resurrection is also something that comes to Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. The Father, at that moment in the crucifixion, was comforting His Son by the the quotation of that Spirit-inspired verse. And the Apostle Paul wrote that it was the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. Or perhaps we could say that the Father raised Jesus from the dead by the Spirit, right? And so the resurrection comes to Jesus by the power of the Spirit as well. So when did God release the Holy Spirit? When did He unleash the Holy Spirit? Sometimes we think that it was the day of Pentecost. But Jesus was a Spirit-drenched man. Jesus did what He did because He was wide open to the Holy Spirit more open to the Spirit than any man in human history. We can back up 30 days, 30 years from his opening day uh, sermon to the events surrounding his birth. When Jesus uh, uh, came, God unleashed the Spirit afresh on the earth. To Elizabeth, for example, mother of John the Baptist, the angel revealed that her son would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Luke 1.15 that he would go before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah, Luke 1, 17. The same angel let Mary know that she would become pregnant when the Holy Spirit came upon, uh, as the Scripture says, comes upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, Luke 1, 35. When Mary went to visit Elizabeth, we're told that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit at 1, verse 41. Then her silenced husband enters the story, and he, uh, his, uh, John the Baptist's father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Luke 1, 67. We're told, too, that John lived in the desert and became strong in spirit. One, uh, chapter 1, verse 80. Once more, one more. When Mary and Joseph took Jesus to the temple to dedicate him and offer their sacrifice for their son, an old man named Simeon grabbed the baby and sang a praise song. God had finally, finally sent the Messiah to Israel. But before Simeon sang and before he grabbed the baby, the Scripture says the Holy Spirit was on Simeon and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Chapter 2, 25 through 27 of Luke. The old man was moved by the Spirit to go to the temple to meet the Messiah and his parents. So when did God release the Holy Spirit? In Jesus. The coming of Jesus. 
He's the Pentecostal man before Pentecost. The days of the Spirit, uh, the days that the Spirit were unleashed then is, uh, is usually thought of as Pentecost, but Luke, who ought to have known since he wrote Acts as well, presents the days leading up to Jesus' appearance on earth as a special unleashing of the Holy Spirit on the principal people, Elizabeth, Zechariah, Mary, Joseph, Simeon, Anna, and the most, and most especially John the Baptist as well. Acts as well presents the days leading up to Jesus' appearance on earth as a special unleashing of the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth and Zechariah, Mary and Joseph, Simeon and Anna, most especially John the Baptist, each was empowered by God's Spirit. And so uh, a wonderful theologian named John Levinson, who at uh, Southern Methodist University, uh, has researched the Holy Spirit in, ancient, in the ancient world more than almost anybody else. He wrote this lengthy book, called Filled with the Holy Spirit, by, uh, and uh, you might not, you know, don't necessarily go out and buy it. It costs cost you a lot of money. But it says, uh, God breathes into every individual a spirit that can be filled with understanding, a spirit that rolls over the tongue and a flood of, with a flood of peculiar eloquence, a spirit that can be the, the place of holiness or under the care of the careless, a commodity to be traded for just filthy money. Jesus, though, was a man spirit-filled, a human among humans. Was he different from us? Did he have any other, uh, any other equipment by which to live that Christian life? And the answer is no. He had a human body. He had a human spirit. He was emptied of His divinity. God poured out His Holy Spirit on Him. And Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit every single step of the way. So with Jesus, a new age has begun. The age of the Spirit. If Jesus could do His ministry only by the power of the Spirit, and if special but ordinary humans such as Elizabeth and Mary and Simeon could do their ministries only by the Holy Spirit of God, then you and I especially need to be more and more open to the Spirit. To be a follower of Jesus is to be wide open to the Holy Spirit as Jesus was open. The good news is that the Spirit at work in Jesus is also available to us. Let me say that again. The good news is that the same Spirit that was made available to Jesus is also made to us. Are you open to the Holy Spirit as Jesus was open? That's the question. If you're open to the Spirit, you will hear from God. Why? Because every page of the Bible tells us our God is a God who speaks. God may speak in a variety of ways, but these are true. God has spoken. God is speaking today. And God will continue to speak. It begins when we see Jesus Himself as the very speech of God made human. And so I want to encourage you in all of your humanness to today, with your weakness and with your 
sin and with your confusion and with your fear to open yourself to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit goes to the lowest place, the darkest place, the most shameful place, the most fearful place, and He begins to minister His comfort there and to transform and to change us to become more like Jesus Christ. That's why we have the church. That's why we have the Bible. That's what the Holy Spirit does in us to transform us into the, pre, into the image of Jesus Christ in character and in power over our lifetime. That's why we need each other. We need the Holy Spirit in one another. We need the Bible together. We need the tradition of the saints. We need all of these things to help build into us that character of Jesus Christ. So let's land it by standing up. And uh, I want to invite the praise team up, and uh, I'm sorry that I've probably gone a little bit long today, uh, but uh, it is what it is. <laughs> Are you open to the love of God? Are you open to the grace of God? Do you need the Holy Spirit? Yes, you need the Holy Spirit. And so I'm going to ask you to lift up your soul to the Lord. Take a deep breath and say, come Holy Spirit. Come to the deepest part of my life. Come to the place where I'm most ashamed, most afraid, most anxious. Bring the calm of your Holy Spirit. Bring the joy of the Holy Spirit. Teach me that when these things that upset me or make me anxious or make me fearful or make me confused or angry, that within moments I'm able to return to joy through the Holy Spirit. Give me that seal of maturity. And Lord, give me patience because I know, give me patience with myself and with others. And Lord, teach me to be a servant. Inspire me to be a servant. Kick me out of my rut to be a servant that's given up his rights or her rights, her sovereignties, her identities in job or na nations or political party or whatever it is. And to receive my identity and my strength in Jesus and His relationship to You, Father, through the Holy Spirit. So as we sing, it's time for ministry. If you've felt that your heart has opened a little bit more to the Holy Spirit today, then take the chance to let God kick it open and fill you with something new and fresh. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. God is not going to give you a snake instead of a loaf of bread if you ask Him for something good. He's not going to give you a scorpion instead of an egg. Luke says, how much more, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, then how much more your Father in Heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. So this morning, all we have to do to qualify for the Holy Spirit is to ask.
That's all we have to do. Maybe you won't feel anything earth-shattering today, but you might. But you certainly will experience God speaking to you in the days to come. You certainly will. Open yourself to the Holy Spirit. And if you have received the Holy Spirit a, a thousand times, a million times, today may be the day that you feel like, yeah, I really need the consolation of the Holy Spirit again. It's a troubling time we live in. There are difficulties in my life. I don't know what the difficulty is in your life or what your anxieties come from. But the Holy Spirit comes as a comforter who walks along beside you and defends you and empowers you. Just like Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, you need the Holy Spirit even more. So come as we sing.